Well, greetings, Christ community. How are you doing this weekend? We good? All right. Great to see you. If I haven't met you yet, my name's Daryl Holden. I'm one of the pastors here. Awesome to be with you. Thanks for being with us this weekend. Hey, this is a, a partner weekend for us at Christ Community. So our ministry partners, next chapter, for those of you who are here in person anyway, like you smelled the barbecue when you came in, they we're hosting their fundraiser out in their parking lot, on our parking lot this weekend. Um, next chapter builds lasting relationships with people who are impacted by the cycles of incarceration. And they help them find reconciliation, life and hope with God, with their family, and with our community doing all that through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we are really glad to stand with them in the ministry that they do and thankful for the partnership that we get to have with them. And those of you guys who are here in the room, like afterwards, if you didn't pre-order your barbecue, you might have a shot at being able to get a little bit of brisket or something out there. But um, we're really thankful for that partnership. And if you give to Christ Community Church, part of your giving goes, we, we are substantial partners with them financially as well, and so part of your giving goes to help support that. And so thank you for giving. We get to do really cool things with the tithes and offerings that God's people give here. So um, we're in this series for a few weeks that we've called Under Full Sail. And what we're talking about over these next few weeks is about the ministry of God the Holy Spirit in our lives and we're looking at this Christian doctrine. Many of us have heard it. If you grew up in the church, you've heard about the Trinity. If you're brand new to church, you've probably seen that like in the name of a church or a Christian ministry, Trinity in there. It's relating to this Christian doctrine that God is one, one God, three persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And we're spending some time talking about God the Holy Spirit and really about the work and the ministry that he has in our lives and what our lives can be like when we are rightly related to him. And so we really grab this image of being under full sail because Jesus talks about the spirit of God being like, he is like the wind. And the wind blows, we don't know where it comes from and we don't know where it's going and we don't get to control it or tell it where to go, but we get to experience life and freedom when we get our sail up and, and move into the wind of God blowing in and through our lives. And so as we think about this idea, and if you missed last week, I introduced this series, and so if you missed, if you missed last week, I'd really recommend and ask that you go back and watch that online, and they'll kind of give you a better orientation for where we are, but as you, as you think about as you think about God the Holy Spirit blowing in and through our lives and about our job to get our sail up into the wind of God the Holy Spirit so we can experience the life and freedom that he wants to give to us, really I think my experience as I watch other people, at least in some areas of our lives, and our, our experience is more like this picture I wanna show you here. So, so, so I, I see this picture, I have, I have so many questions about this picture. But, but I think this, I think this is a, a fair representation of how many of us live our lives. We have, we've been given spiritual life and there is this spiritual wind blowing that is available to us and instead of having our sail up, we've got our oars out and we're just, we're just rowing along doing the best we can. And so what we're gonna talk about this week is I wanna, I wanna help us figure out how to get our rows in and our sail up so that we can experience the life that God wants to give us. Rowing, using your oars is, is no way to go. Spiritually speaking, it's no way to go when, when God has so much more and so much better 
available to us. And so, so to begin this conversation, I wanna take us back to the very beginning of the scriptures. We talk about the Holy Spirit of God. In Genesis chapter one, so these are the first verses of the Bible. This is, this is, the, this is telling us, how did we get here? This, these little bit answers the question for you and for me. How did we get here? How did what the world that we see and know and touch and experience, like how did, where did all this come from? How did it get here? So Genesis chapter one, starting in verse one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So in the beginning, God created and this creation was, was without form and it was empty and the spirit of God is hovering over this empty and formless creation. And that idea of, of hovering, the only other time we see that word in the scriptures, in the Old Testament particularly, it's talking about how a, a mother hen broods on her nest. And so it, it communicates this idea of, of motion and of, of air and of wind and of this brooding and really of preparing what God is getting ready, preparing this creation for what God is getting ready to speak into and speak over it. And so the ministry, the work of the Spirit of God from the very beginning has been this active, energetic presence preparing for what God is getting ready to speak over and speak into because the earth was without form and it was empty. And if we continue to read through that first chapter of Genesis, what we see is that God is getting ready to form it and fill it. And so the spirit of God is, is doing his work to make that happen, make that, that earth receptive to what God is gonna speak to and over it. And so what the spirit of God did in the very beginning for creation, he does for you and for me. When Jesus was talking with his disciples, and Gospel of John's recorded for us, chapter 16, verse eight, Jesus is talking about the ministry of God the Holy Spirit and when he comes. When he comes, what he's going to do is prove the world to be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment. So in this, in this proving that the Spirit of God does, we can connect that, that hovering, brooding ministry where he is, he is at work in the lives of people like you and me, convincing us that, that there, is, there is a God, <laughs> that there is, there is something that he has for us, that we have fallen short of his standard of righteousness and that there's a day that we're gonna answer to him and that the solution that you and I, as we begin to understand, as we, we have fallen short, that our solution is the glory and beauty of Jesus in proving us wrong about our ideas concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. He's, he's convincing us, he's proving God to be right about holiness and about the glory and beauty of Jesus and about his sacrifice 
a death on the cross so that you and I could receive forgiveness so that we could have life. And it is impossible for a human being to be to understand how wrong we are about sin and righteousness and judgment without this, this moving, this blowing of the wind of the Spirit of God through our lives, without that, that brooding. It is impossible for us to come to the conclusion that we have been wrong without this work of God the Holy Spirit in our lives. And, and so what he did for creation, he continues to do for people like you and me. He is, he is hovering and brooding in our lives, preparing us to be able to receive and respond to what God wants to say to and over us. And so Jesus says, hey, when the Spirit comes, one of the things he's gonna do, he's gonna prepare you to hear about me. And then a little later in the scriptures, in Romans chapter eight, verse two, through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Again, it's that, it's that hovering work that God the Holy Spirit did at creation that he continues to do in your and my life. And as he does that, we are ready to receive and to enjoy life, like capital L, life. The life that comes through knowing Jesus, through being forgiven of our sins, through having a relationship with God as our heavenly father, like that kind of life. And I love that this life, this spirit who gives us life is also he has set us free, capital F, freedom from sin and death. And so you and I were these people who were, we were trapped. We were held in bondage by, by sin and death and this work of God the Holy Spirit in our lives, he, he comes and he, he sets us free from sin and death. So now that the words that get hung over our lives are capital L, life, like we are alive, spiritually alive, and capital F, freedom, like we are, we've been set free unto God. And so through the work of God the Holy Spirit in our lives as Christian people, what we get to experience now is, is life and freedom. And I think that leads to a question of, of if the work of the Spirit gives me capital L life and capital F freedom, God's kind of life, God's kind of freedom, why do I and we so often find ourselves experiencing less than that. If, if, if his work in my life is to hover and brood so that, so that I could receive and respond to what God is speaking into and over me, why do, why do I have less than that in, in major chunks of my life? Maybe you experience that too or, or through the whole thing. Why do we have less than that? So thinking about this, and in thinking about this, I think there's, there's a passage of scripture that explains it to us, or at least helps us begin to understand it. And I'm, I have, I'm not putting it on the screen for you, because it's, it's a lot to take in, but it is um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, starting in verse 14, and runs through chapter 3, verse 1. 
And in these verses, they talk about three kinds of people. So, so the first person, the first kind of person is a person who is without the Spirit. So we talked about this last week. The Holy Spirit, the indwelling Holy Spirit of God is a gift from God to people who are saying yes to Jesus. To, to those of us who have become convinced of sin and righteousness and judgment. And there are still people who are not yet convinced of those things. And so people without the Spirit are people who have not yet said yes to Jesus, who've not yet been convinced by the Holy Spirit of of sin and righteousness and judgment. Then there's this next group of people. These are people with the Spirit. These are people who've said their yes to Jesus. These are people who have become convinced about sin and righteousness and judgment. They've seen the glory and beauty of Jesus. They they recognize their need for his kind of forgiveness and, and desire his kind of life and freedom and these, these are the people who've said yes to this life and freedom that he offers. And if we were reading through 2 Corinthians chapter 2, that last half there down into verse 3, some of the things we'd see about these kind of people is that they have spiritual, not just life, but they have spiritual depth and they have spiritual wisdom and they have spiritual understanding. Like These, these are people who, spiritually speaking, they, they've, they're getting it. Like they're, they're experiencing life and freedom. And it, it seems like we should, you know, if just from trying to think through these things logically, it seems like, okay, either you, you have the Spirit or you don't have the Spirit based on your relationship with Jesus. But then there's this third kind of person, and, and this is the person who has the Spirit because they've said their yes to Jesus, but they're having the same experience as people who do not have the Spirit. They've chosen chosen to live like they did before they came into relationship with Jesus. they've, They've chosen to walk and do life the way it was before, and and the description of this person is that they're infants in Christ. Like that they're, they're baby Christians, but not because they're new, because they've chosen to be spiritually immature. They, they do not have spiritual wisdom. They do not have spiritual discernment. They, they instead, their life looks very much like the culture and world around them who have not become convinced of the glory and beauty of Jesus. And so there's these, there's three kinds of people and particularly this third group, this group of people who have the Spirit of God living in them but have the same experience as people who do not have, like those are the people who, that's the rowboat people. I've got a sail and there's wind, but my sail, I've wrapped my sail up and I'm choosing just to row my way through my life, and if, if we were gonna hang a couple of words over, over the rowboat kind of Christian people, I think the words for them, spiritually speaking, words would be disappointment and defeat. They're, they're not experiencing the kinds of things when we talk about the promises of God, when we talk about the faithfulness of God, when we talk about life and hope and joy and peace, not experiencing that, disappointment. because. 
Like that that is held out and offered and people that you go to church with and people, your Christian friends that you do life with, to see them experiencing that and to know that, wait a minute, they, I don't have this. The, the disappointment there and then the spiritual defeat, just I don't ever seem to win spiritually. I might be winning in a couple other places in my life. I might see some, I might see some wins, but, but not spiritually. Like my, my life is characterized, my spiritual life is characterized by defeat. If we were gonna, if we were gonna hang two words, if life and freedom are over the people with the spirit, then people with the spirit who are chosen infants in Christ or choosing to be infants in Christ is disappointment and defeat. And so I was thinking about like, okay, so how do we take a closer look? Because for you and for me, I think those words, disappointment and defeat, I think they describe us in some areas of our life that are important to us more frequently than we would like. If I could say it that way. I don't, I know for my life and probably for most of you, it doesn't describe my whole life. It doesn't describe every area of my Christian experience. But there's some spots in my life where disappointment and defeat, like those are words that, they're on a section of my life that's important to me and, and in some spots in my life, they stay there for way too long. So I wanna take a closer look from the Bible about where this disappointment and defeat comes from in our lives. We say it that way, maybe. So there's three things I wanna show you this weekend about disappointment and defeat, where that comes from, what's true about people who are experiencing disappointment and defeat, and just kind of let this, like process through this with me, see where it fits for you. So the first, the first thing about people who are experiencing disappointment and defeat, um, they ignore what God says. They ignore what God says. So in 1 Thessalonians chapter five, verses 19 through 22, we have this, statement, the first sentence, do not quench the spirit. And this is, this is one of those places where the, the image of the spirit of God, if you were with us last weekend, we talked about how the images the Bible gives us, the imagery for the spirit is stuff that's hard to, it's hard to grab. It's, it's wind, it's fire, it's oil, it's stuff that we can't really you know, get our hands on. And so this image is of fire, like contained, healthy, good burning fire, and, and you and I have the ability to put out, to quench the fire of God the Holy Spirit in our lives. And I think it's the following sentences that explain to us how that happens in our life. Do not quench the Spirit, do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all, hold on to what's good, and reject every kind of evil. So, so what we're reading here is, you know, the first people who would have read this, what they had access to, many of them had access to, was what, in their Bible, what you and I, we would call it the Old Testament. So it starts in Genesis and ends in Malachi. It's about the first two-thirds. If you pick up a Bible that has the Old and New Testaments, it's about the first two-thirds of that. So they had, they had access to that. They wouldn't have had their own copy, but they, they had had access to that. And then what we know is the New Testament at this time was, some of it was still being written and it had not been collected yet. So they didn't have the whole Bible like you and I have it. 
they have the Old Testament, which has a huge section of prophecy in it, and then in their churches were men and women who were known to be prophets, and what prophet, a prophet is a person who speaks for God. And, and so these prophets that were part of their spiritual life would speak for God to them, and the instruction was, okay, so you have this written word of God prophecy, that you're supposed to pay attention to and you have these human prophets who are speaking for God to you, these human prophets, you gotta, don't treat what they say with contempt, pay attention to it and then test it against what's been written and be obedient, holding fast to that which measures up and then the other stuff, let it go. Like turn that, turn that part loose. So that's what the first people who read this were reading. But you and I, as we read it, we have the Old Testament, which they had access to. We have, we have so much access to it. Um, and then we have the New Testament, which has been written, it has been compiled, it has been authenticated by the people of God over the centuries. So we have the Old and New Testament, so we have our entire Bible that is falls under that don't treat prophecies with contempt. People who spoke for God have written all that down for us. And that first phrase as it relates to the Bible, don't treat prophecies with contempt. We don't, we don't need to test the Bible, like whether this is of God or not. The Bible is God's written word to us. It is like God breathed out and we have it in, we have it in our hands. So we don't need to test is this the word of God or not? We need to test our understanding of it. And when somebody's teaching us, we need to test what they're saying about it. But we don't need to test the Bible. But we, so we, what we do is that is we understand it and we obey it. So when we you don't treat prophecy with contempt as far as the written word of God, we seek understanding and we obey what we understand. And for people who speak for God, whether it's in an environment like this or if it's somebody in your small group or another environment where you are, when somebody is speaking on behalf of the Lord to you, we don't treat that with contempt either. We, we listen to that and we process that and we measure it by what's been written and what's good we hold on to and walk in accordance with and what isn't, then we just, we let that go. And we live in a culture, the culture at large, and even some in our Christian circles now, in a, it just continues to change where, where we treat prophecy with contempt. And it may not, it's not like anybody's looking at their Bible and spitting on it, but when you have the word from God to do anything different than submit to it is treating it with contempt. So, so for us, we live under the scriptures. We don't, we don't live alongside of them where they consult with us and we consult with them and somewhere along the line we figure out what we wanna do and we certainly don't live over them where we live our own truth regardless of what that says. For us as Christian people, we live under the authority of the scriptures 
whether you like what it says or you like what it says to do or not. That's, that's what being under authority means. And so we live under the authority of the scriptures. And, and if we refuse, if we refuse to understand and obey what God says to us, then, then we find ourselves in that rowboat rowing away, trying to get places that, that the wind of the Spirit of God, like, he will blow through our lives as we, as we pay attention to and be obedient to what God says to us. So that's, that's the first thing, this disappointment and defeat comes from ignoring what God says. Second thing that it comes from is mistreating people who are around me. This feels, I don't know, this, this, this raises the significance of how we treat one another think in our lives. So in Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse 29, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what's helpful for building each other up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. All right, so now we're talking about how we speak to one another. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So it's one of the ministries of God, the Holy Spirit in our lives is that he is God's seal on us. Like he is he has sealed us in, so we, we're safe and we're secure, and he has marked us so that we belong to him. You know, it's these, we've been sealed. That's God the Holy Spirit. He seals us for future day, day of redemption. And then back to how we treat each other. Get rid of all the bitterness, rage, the anger, the brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. All that's relationship stuff. Get rid of all that stuff out of your lives and be kind and compassionate to one another and forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And that grieving of the Holy Spirit is, is dropped right in the middle of how, how we choose to treat other people in our lives. And I gotta point this out again because we talked about it last week. Grieving is an emotion. God the Holy Spirit has an emotion it's, he's, he's not a force, he's not a power, he's not it. God the Holy Spirit is a person. One God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and you and I have the ability to cause him grief, to cause him emotional and relational pain by the way we treat other people. And so as the way we treat others makes a huge difference in in whether our sail is up and the wind of God is blowing through our lives or we're just rowing away trying to get wherever it is that we wanna go. So mistreating people who are around me. And then the third one is being spiritually stubborn or rebellious. <laughs> Isaiah 63, nine and 10. Isaiah is writing about the ancient nation of Israel kinda in their wanderings in the desert and the way they behaved themselves through really the history of the people. In all their distress, so that's talking about when they were enslaved in Egypt, in all their distress, he too was distressed, and the angel of his presence saved them. So the Lord came to rescue them. In his love and mercy, he redeemed them. He lifted them up and carried them all the days of old. Yet they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit, so he turned and became their enemy, and he himself fought against them. And 
we see again this idea of grieving the Holy Spirit and instead of God carrying his people who are rebellious, spiritually stubborn, rebellious, instead of him carrying them along, like the wind blows sailboat along, instead of carrying them along, he actually got in their way and opposed them. I mean, if there is one place in life you do not wanna be, you do not wanna be where God is standing in your way, right? So, so their rebellion, their stubbornness, God went from, from carrying them along to standing in front of them and, and opposing them. Because if there's one thing that's true about God is that he is willing to let you have what you want. Like spiritually speaking, if you, were gonna, if you were gonna cross your arms and stomp your foot and demand something, he will let you have that. And he will let you have so much of that that you don't want it anymore. And that is, that is mercy and grace to us. That, that instead, of, instead of forcing things on us, he will let us have what we want until we figure out that this is not the way. And, and so we have this, this is God's posture towards people who are rebellious or stubborn. He will, let you, he will let you rebel and he will let you be stubborn towards him, but he will not facilitate your stubbornness with the work of his spirit in your life. And so if you, if you find yourself rowing in some ways that there might be some spots of spiritual stubbornness or spiritual rebellion. Okay, so I ran across this little, it's, it's a spoof on the poem Footprints. Ran across this years ago and I wanna share it with you. Hopefully you enjoy it as much as I do. So one night I had a wondrous dream. One set of footprints there was seen. The footprints of my precious Lord, but mine were not along the shore. But then some stranger prints appeared and I asked the Lord, what have we here? Those prints are large and round and neat, but Lord, they're too big for feet. My child, he said in somber tones, for miles I carried you alone. I challenged you to walk in faith, but you refused and made me wait. You disobeyed, you would not grow. The walk of faith you would not know. So I got tired, I got fed up, and there I dropped you on your butt. because those prints are too big and round and neat to be feet. So it's a joke. It's a joke. But God will, he will give you what you want and he will give you so much of it that you'll realize in his grace and his mercy and his love for you that you don't want it anymore. And, and that spiritual stubbornness, that spiritual rebellion if you, if you wanna row, God will let you row. And he will let you row until you are so worn out, you are, you are willing to let the wind of his spirit blow through your life. So, so this weekend is, is really about capital L life and capital F freedom. So let me share one more verse with you. This is from Galatians chapter five, verse 25. Since we live by the spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let's remember that if, if you are a Christian person, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are alive because of the work of God the Holy Spirit in your life. 
You did not, you did not give birth to yourself into your Christian faith. He, he hovered and brooded over you and over your life and prepared you to receive the word that God wanted to speak into and over you. It is, it is his work that shows you the glory and beauty of Jesus and your great need for him. And since, since you and I have been made alive by the work of God the Holy Spirit, then let us keep in step with the Spirit. Keep it in step. It's, it's more of a walking along behind. It's a different image, but it's really the same concept that we have of, this, of, of oars in and sail up and being oriented to the wind of God, the Holy Spirit, as he wants to blow through your life so that you can, so that you can experience all that God wants you to experience so that you can have life and you can have freedom, you can experience forgiveness, you can have hope, you can know joy. He wants to give all of that to you. And, and what you have to do to have that is pull the oars in, those spiritual oars, pull the oars in and like get that sail up. So I'm gonna pray for us here in just a minute. And as I'm praying, my encouragement to you is that you just kind of ask the Lord if there's one of those three things we talked about, if there's some of that in your life, like if he would make that known to you, maybe he already has as we've been talking during this time, that he would, he would let you know where you're rowing and you just confess that to him and let's move forward. So you guys bow your head, close your eyes with me. If there's a spot in your life, if there's a, maybe it's just taken over and it's the whole, it's the whole tone and tenor of your life right now where you've been rowing. I think for you, the prayer is something like, Father, right now I'm rowing. Help me bring my oars in, put my sail up. Holy Spirit, please blow through my life. really grateful, Lord, for, for this hovering, brooding, convincing, life-giving spirit that has been given to us. So we're asking for capital L, life, capital F, freedom, the kind that comes only from you. May we live with our oars in, our sail up, being blown along by the wind of your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, blow through this place, blow through our lives for our good, for Jesus' glory. So we pray these things in his name. Amen.
So if I could, I'd like to pray for us, the prayer that we finished with last weekend. And if you're willing to, whether you're here in the room or those of you online, just put your hands out in a posture of receiving. I pray this prayer over you. And if you'll bow your head and close your eyes with me. Generous God, thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask that we may be strengthened to serve you better. Thank you for the wisdom of your Holy Spirit. We ask you to make us wise to understand your will. Thank you for the peace of your Holy Spirit. We ask you to keep us confident of your love wherever you call us. We thank you for the healing of your Holy Spirit. We ask you to bring reconciliation and wholeness where there's division, sickness, and sorrow. Thank you for the gifts of your Holy Spirit. We ask you to equip us for the work which you've given us. We thank you for the fruit of your Holy Spirit. We ask you to reveal in our lives the love of Jesus. We thank you for the breath of your Holy Spirit given by the risen Lord. We ask you to keep the whole church living and departed in the joy of eternal life. Generous God, as you sent your Holy Spirit upon your Messiah at the River Jordan and upon the disciples in the upper room, in your mercy, fill us with your Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. It's great to be with you guys. If you need somebody to pray for you, those of you here in this room, there'll be prayer leaders down front. Those of you who are online, if you'll just click the pray button, and we would love to pray for you about whatever you need prayer about. Thank you for being here, for being part of this service. I love you guys. I'll see you next weekend. Have a great week. You're dismissed.